My Iranian sister quarter. Great. It's even an eighth. Wow. What's an eighth? Me. Oh, it's a swear. It's that little. <laughs> yeah, because my dad's a quarter. Half oh, Irish, man. quarter Indian, quarter Iranian. Mad. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of W Talk from uh, Series 2. Um, today's guest, I would classify as friend slash family. I kind of met through Jelani yep. somehow. Yeah. Um, I decided to bring you on because you are pretty much in the music scene. Um, I've seen a bit of your journey, let's say the four, last four to five years. I haven't known you my whole life, so I'm curious to know what kind of your ambitions were when you were younger. What's the kind of journey been like? Um, any tips or lessons you've learnt or any advice you'll give to the younger generation uh, and pretty much get your thoughts on the music scene right now. Um, so let's start with, take it back to maybe when you were younger, what were kind of some of your ambitions or what were you, like yeah, what did you want to do when you are older? It could have been anything, it could have oh changed, God. I assume so, or like yeah. I can't lie, when I was younger I didn't think about what I wanted to do when I was older. Mm. Um, not that I remember anyway. I mean, obviously when I was like a real young kid, my mum put me in like taekwondo and gymnastics oh, and like ballet and all these things that she could. And I guess if I didn't like one, I would do the other. Quite good for a single one, I'll take my hat <laughs> off to her. Um, but I was quite academic, so I always did like extra maths, uh, sometimes extra English. Did that you enjoy it or were you just naturally kind of smart? Kind of I was naturally good at mm -hmm. maths. Um, so it was obviously then I enjoyed it. But And I played the flute as well. So I went to um, music school from about... I want to say six or seven to the age of 15. Mm. I used to go like every weekend, sometimes in the week. Um, I got to like, I think I was meant to do my grade five flute test. There's only eight grades, but I think I didn't do it because I think I thought I was too big for my boots. Mm. I only actually did grade three, but yeah, I played the flute until I was about 15. And then when it came to deciding like what to do at GCSEs and stuff, I kind of just stuck with doing art and media and like geography. It's always something pretty creative then. Always something creative because I could draw quite well as well. So yeah, I liked creative things, but I don't think I knew what I wanted to do. But when it came to choosing, oh, are you going to do A-levels? Are you going to do a B-tech? I don't know if they do B-techs anymore. But... I think they still do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought, okay, well, what am I going to do? And at that point, the only thing I knew I cared about more than anything, and I thought I could actually, I had an interest in and I thought I could be dedicated to was music. Mm because I could sing, but I never would be that girl in school, like going around like singing mm. to all the older ones, or I'd never put myself out like that. But when I used to hang around with my god sisters and my god brother, because we kind of grew up together, when I was around them, we'd always do things at home, like play X Factor mm. and things like that. So I knew I could sing, I knew I could play the flute, I had an ear for music, but I didn't at that point think, yeah, I want to be like a superstar yeah, and like, be on the stage. Yeah. But I was leaving school and I was thinking, what else can I do? Because even with art, I thought if I study art, Studying arts is not the same at school. Mm. School's like, you know, you make things at school. When you study it, you really have to, yeah. you really have to get into it, be dedicated and like research. And I just thought, I don't have time to do that at all. So I thought, you know what? So this is all happening at 15, 16. Yeah, and I'm thinking, okay, cool. If I go to college and do music, not music technology, because that was the, one of the most common music BTECs you could do at that point. They only had music practice, which would be you auditioning by playing an instrument or by singing was only at Kingston College and at City of Islington, which was on Holloway Road. They were the only two places in London. And I was like, you know what, that's what I'm gonna do. So I knew if I go as a singer, then you learn about music business, you obviously play in a band or you sing in a band. Um, but I thought that would be kind of easy. 
And I'm not going to lie, it kind of was. So which one did you end up going to? I went to City of Islington. Okay. I went there for two years. Um, I actually got in a band and I was there as well, a few of my friends. That was cool. It was a good experience. Were you the singer? No, I wasn't the singer. <laughs> it was like, it was cool because I'm just into like music, obviously, mm. and like harmonies and like melodies. And I like the idea of a band and someone playing guitar. So that's what we did. And while I was there, yeah, you kind of cover the basics. Sometimes you slack, sometimes you don't. It's a bit different as a vocalist, I would say, because there's no, it's not that you get pushed as a vocalist. You have singing lessons, but if you play an instrument, obviously, it's a lot more apparent if you mm. can't do the job um, because you need to actually play the music to support the singers. 100%. There were singers there who couldn't sing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, but they think they can. Yeah. And I was amongst those, but I just, you know, I could just get by. And I did that for two years, and then I thought... And while you were doing this, were you thinking ahead again, or were you just like, you know what, I'm enjoying this, I'm just doing this I'm just going with it. Because my thing, I've realised, especially as I've got older, I've realised it more and more, I don't like to commit to something if I'm not sure I can do it. Mm. So that's been a part of my my ups and my downs. Mm. Me realising that I have an issue with committing to something or saying I can be something unless or saying I can do something unless I really think I can. So even when I was at college, I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, I'm a singer. Mm. I'd just be like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, humble I'm with it maybe. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Because it's like, I didn't want to make these big statements. So when I was leaving, I was thinking, okay, cool. What am I going to do now? Like they sit you down and you have to like go on a computer and look at So like, what's the kind of schedule? Like, after someone does college and music technology, do you go to uni and continue that? Or like, what's the kind of well, yeah, the layout yeah. usually? Like, well, they sit you down and you, you know, like, it's the same thing when you're in school. You look at all your options and people are there, like, counting up how many points they're going to mm. get. I was two distinctions and a merit or something. I'm like, okay, cool, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Thinking, what am I interested in? Because at this point, even though you've done, like, a practical um, course, like a BTEC, mm. as compared to A-levels, those points still count. So I could go and do English literature at mm. uni or something like that. So I then thought, well, what else am I interested in? The only thing I was interested in at that time, and to some extent I was... Um, having issues with personally was mm. religion. So it was religion, so or philosophy and ethics. I thought, okay, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that, maybe I won't. And I'm just going to do it. Mm. I think, obviously, coming from a, a Caribbean household, my mum, just like a lot of other black mothers and black parents, is thinking, you need to go to uni. Mm. Like, this isn't a joke. Like, what are you doing? So with this or like, yeah. This or what? No, no. Um, but I kind of managed to stick to my guns. The thing is, my mum and dad both are from the music industry, mm. so they understood it to an extent. So do you think that's where your overall passion for music came was having two parents? I mean, maybe. Your dad was a DJ. Yeah, my dad is a DJ. Is he still a DJ as well? My dad's okay. a DJ. He's been that as long as I've known him. So is my mum. My dad has a record label as well. He's an A&R at Defective Records. And my mum has been in the industry her whole life. She used to be a presenter, broadcaster. Oh, she still works at Rents FM right now. So I've grown up with that around me. So I think there was a part of them that's like, well, I get it. Yeah. I get it if you don't want to be It's inevitable it. for you to really kind of get into music. Both your parents are this yeah. engrossed into music. But at that point, I still didn't know. Mm. So I thought, you know what? I'm not a dosser. I'm just going to keep working. So I was working in retail, kept working in retail. I then so you didn't go to uni? I didn't go to uni. I decided not to kept working because I just thought I can't do nothing and when I was working of course that thing comes up again in me and you're like I'm not fulfilled mm. so what were well, your do? friends doing at this point as well so my friends at this point um and I had so many different groups of friends I had mm. my church friends then I had like my god sisters I'm mm. super close to and then I had my college friends and old school friends everyone was doing either nothing some people from back in the day were doing nothing 
or people around me were also kind of on that journey because of mm. course I went to college and did music mm. so one person was at uni the other person's at uni but now they're doing marketing because at that point when you're getting to that uni age there's a lot of pressure on you to make a decision mm. so I decided I can't make a decision so I'm not <laughs> going to commit yeah. to something but everyone else was kind of in that bracket of okay cool maybe I'll just keep studying music yeah. for the next three years um how it turns out for them after that is completely different you know but at that point it takes a leap of faith to go against the norm and not go to uni like not many people do it like as you said some people like they're on the fence and they're like you know what fuck it I'll just go to uni but you were like you know what I don't know so yeah it took a bit of courage to actually make that decision so it is yeah maybe I've never really thought of it like that because not many people do it though if you look at the percentage I actually looked at the percentage of how many people drop out of uni because I dropped out of uni mm. it's a very small percentage so to do that, you're amongst very few that actually have that decision. I'm not saying that everyone who drops out of uni is smart and creative or like intelligent about it, but it does take a, a level of courage to go against the norm. Because as you were mm. saying, from your parents, it's, it's so normal to just go to uni. It's either yeah. uni or not. If you're not going to uni, what are you doing? A sport? Are you talented in something else? Yeah. So you were not, then some people might doubt you, you might doubt yourself, but the fact that you actually did do that. So let's go back to that your time. friend. Yeah. So that time I'm thinking, yeah. So I think some people around me did and others that, that i mean i wasn't really hanging with them mm. or rolling with like that them like that anyway so it didn't really concern me but i just i just stuck to what i was doing so obviously at work that's another thing when you're young and you're a teenager you're now like 17 18 mm. and you're working in a new place and it's not in an area where i'm from i've always been that person that has lived in wandsworth worked in stratford mm. lived in this place worked in there i've mm. always put myself out quite independent my mum kind of raised me like mm. that and i've always been like that so in those new places, you're meeting new friends, you've got new experiences. And once again, I'm in that place where I'm working in Putney, just working, just retail, just retail whatever. And I'm like, I think I saw something online talking about um, voluntary work abroad. It was with the International Citizen Service. Um, and there's a, there's a national one as well, there's NCIS and there's ICS. So this was the first year it launched and they were actually, they weren't paying you to go, but they would allow you to go somewhere for 12 weeks. Before you went, you had to go under undergo like serious like workshops for like weeks about understanding global structures, about the poverty globally, about the world's targets. Oh, wow. It wasn't just like pack your bag and go, to, okay. go to Thailand for two weeks. It was really quite intense mm. and quite serious. And I had to apply. I wanted to be part of any women's projects and things like that. So that's what I ended up doing. Mm. And I went to El Salvador for twelve weeks. Oh wow! But yeah, about two weeks before you go, you have like um. You have to understand world things and then when you get there you also kind of have like a what's the word for it? not naturalization but you have to kind of ingest your ingest everything in locally as well understanding how those countries work and okay. how organizations there work not just hey, go there yeah. i'm from oxfam and we want to paint a wall yeah like no it they a bit more serious a bit more people. serious and the good thing was that they really did care about what local people were already doing mm. so that really put a lot into perspective for me one, because it just allowed me to humble myself. Two, I'm away for 12 weeks at the age of 19 mm. with nine strangers that I don't know from anywhere. One's, one's like posh, rich, white parents. The other one's like a black girl from Essex. Diff all different ages yeah. as well. I was 19. I was also sharing with someone who was like 26. She ended up um, getting with somebody in the project who was like 28. So it's a mix of people. And you're in another country. El Salvador's not necessarily the most um, built up. Mm. It's, you know, quite under, underdeveloped. They've got the highest rate of, like, um, oh, at the time, anyway, I'm not sure if this is correct now, but, like, 
women that die at the hands of you know domestic violence oh, wow. and they've got some of the biggest well-known gangs in the world so to go in there at 19. being at environment <laughs> at 19 it's a lot to take in but it really opened up my eyes to one how things work in other countries two just the privileges that we have over here and I felt like it was a good experience for mm. me at that time because I didn't know what I was doing and I was working and I was like well what can I do to give something back and it's an interesting thought because you think about giving something back and how much it does for you mm. it's kind of I saw someone speaking about it recently. It's like that. It's selfish, but it's not selfish because mm. you're giving, but it does something for, for you. you. Yes. It's um, it's quite an odd thing, but I think that was an important thing for me to do at that age because there is a lot of pressure for you after to go to uni and make a decision. And if you haven't gone to uni, you need to work straight mm. away. And I wasn't working in an office job like being a legal clerk. I was just working in retail. But I found something that allowed me to understand myself a bit more, understand how working group settings, um, in environments. And how did you come across this advertisement for this place? I literally think it was on Facebook or something. Oh, no. um, the good thing is my, my other friend Amy, who I went to college with, she also hadn't made the decision to go to uni. So she also went. Oh, she came with you as well? But she didn't go where I went, she went to oh, Peru. Okay. But... Same thing, she had a similar experience to me. She's like quite free, didn't know what she wanted to do and did the project um, abroad for 12 weeks and it added value to her. So it was nice to get back and speak to her about her experiences and see how someone else has also benefited from it. So I think at that time it was then, okay, I understand more about myself. I mean, when I went there, I understood that I was quite creative. I remember thinking of things that we could do in the house to bring like value to like the team spirit mm. and like a compliment box, like put compliments in the box in the, the day and then sometimes mm. we can sit down together and talk about things. Those things really help you to grow. Um, so you self-developed across these 12 weeks. You learned more about yourself. It's like a, not a spiritual journey, but you went there and you did. You learned a lot about yourself. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But when you came back, how did you deal with life after? Did you just go straight? Did you just continue your retail job? Did you tell them that you were on a break? And then... I had a break for a couple of months and then I went back to retail because, of course, you have an experience like that. I mean, some of the places I went to were, I mean, the streets were covered mm. in rubbish. People are offering you food. I stayed with family offering you food giving me all they have and you can see they've got nothing you know like their cleanliness not the same as mine i'm i'm coming with like my big backpack and yeah. everything ready. We're coming from the uk they're making me stand outside in a in like a tray of mud like washing myself mm -hmm. you really have a reality check mm -hmm. but when you get back to this environment to these privileges you do have to adjust it's mm -hmm. not like i can tell everybody don't drop rubbish on the floor yeah. or don't do this or don't do that i've had my experience but it doesn't mean everyone else has um and you then have to just kind of take the learnings and apply it to your life so of course there was probably a period where i probably like tried to be a bit more humble maybe mm. or like be a bit more appreciative but those things wear off mm. because this is the world that we live, yeah. live in so it was a great experience for me at the time but um and i probably yeah like you said learned the most personally from it Although I would say I gained a lot just from being around mm. those people and seeing how they live and their love for the world and, and the work that people are doing. Have you done travelling since? Have you done something like that similar since? I haven't done anything like that since. And I think I'd like to, but I think your intentions need to be in the right place. Mm. It's not something that I think you can continue to do for self-growth because mm. people generally need help out there. And there are people already there doing good things. Yeah. So um, I would be um, cautious to, to do something like that again, especially because... Now, obviously, I work in the music industry, but I think if I cared about development and global issues, it's definitely something I would do again. After that, I think I kept on working and was just trying to find myself, really. So you're still 19 at this point, because you I'm only went for 12 weeks, so you're yeah. still 19. Yeah. So I'm still 19, and then, you know, you get into your early 20s, and I'm just like, you know, what am I going to do? And I remember when I was out there, people kind of around me 
you know, you're living with people that haven't been around you before, and mm. they see things in you don't see in yourself. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so creative, you're so this, you're so that. And when I got back, um, after kind of some self-reflection, I was like, you know what, I'm going back to college. Mm. I went back to college and I did furniture making. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's like so random. I've mm. just kind of, I think for those couple of years, maybe from college until after, it could be about maybe four years in total of just me just working because I didn't know what I wanted to do and doing things that challenged me as a person. Mm. Now I'm thinking about it. That's prob- that's actually mm. what happened. Um, yeah, and the furniture making was cool. That was something I was like, oh yeah, I could do this, I could do that. Because I still had all these creative interests, but I just didn't know what to do so, about yeah. it. You just knew you were creative. People were telling you you were creative. And, and I'm like, I, I don't still want... don't know. Yeah. You know. I'm like, so what do I do? And then you have moments alone when you're like at home or like you're praying. And you're like, no, no, seriously, God, like, what am I meant to do? Yeah. Like, are you going to tell me? Because at this point, I, I think the main doing... thing is with all of the say talents or interests like that, just it's just to remain proactive and just do creative stuff as much as possible. As you're saying, you don't know what to do, you don't know which angle you're going at, but you are staying active, you're doing like a list, you're doing listening by, you're doing, uh, you're working from Warner Records, you're doing, you're just remaining active. I think that's something similar to me. Like I've always seen myself as creative. I don't know what to do. I'm not gonna go stand, be a stand-up comedian or start doing art, but I'm like, let me just be a bit more active, get myself out there. And by being active, I think it brings out the talents in you and then opens up new opportunities. I, mean, I think, I think so, yeah, yeah, I think that's what you've been doing because you haven't been, you don't know what you want to do as you said. You still don't know what you're doing. You're just going along with it and you're just staying intact with kind of what your interests are. So 19 now, you've done this, you've come back to the UK, you've involved in the furniture. Furniture making, oh, was yeah. that like a year? Yeah, it was like a year. So now I'm like 20 something. You know, you can't remember how old, yeah. maybe I was 21, <laughs> I was 22. And um, I started a card business. And oh, nice. It was called Blue Woo. And it lasted for a couple of years. And it was something I was passionate about. So just about. making cards? Just making cards. Because when I was younger, I used to make cards for people all the time. Like, it was a thing. And I don't know. A lot of people don't care about cards. So you've done stuff. So when I was <laughs> hollering you before, when I was telling you to come on to this, you're like, oh, yeah, Cal, I don't really know what to talk it's about. Just, you know what I mean? You've done I mean, you've, you've tried. Like, you're an entrepreneur. I know you might not see it that way. Yeah, Because, like, you're, not, you're, you're maybe comparing yourselves to, like, the official <laughs> entrepreneurs or the ones that call themselves. But, like... You've been going through trial and error, and I think that's what entrepreneur is. Someone that's not afraid of risk. You are saying that, look, if you're not comfortable in doing something, you won't do it. Mm-hmm. So maybe in that aspect, you're like, oh, you know what, maybe I'm not an entrepreneur. But you're yeah. trying different things, and you've gone against the norm. And that all started with not going to uni. And you're doing like a card, you've done a card business for a few years. That's something different. So you've been Very putting different. yourself out there. But yeah, yeah go and continue. So you've done this card business. I did um, this card business. I mean, I've never thought of it like, like that mm-hmm. in the way you said it. But yeah, you could, you could be right. Um, I did the car business and it was something that I was thinking about for a while just like I was thinking about what if I could do this like furniture thing and have like a shop like mm. paper chase but have like chairs for kids and they make stuff that's where my thought was going and I started blue around that time I did it with the Prince's Trust they have a lot of opportunities to help people and they offer like um, support with you coming up with your business plan and it's like a I think it's like a three-month kind of program oh, and then at the end you have the chance to apply for funding so I sat there with my best friend Jelani, um, he's probably one of the most inspirational people in my life. He kind of made me think I could do it. I think one time he just sat me down, we were at my friend Aisha's house and he was like, just do it. you can do it. Mm-hmm. Like anything you think you can't do, I'm telling you, you can mm-hmm. do it. And his belief in me, him along with a handful of other people has just been had a real impact in my life. So I remember thinking. So do you think you did know Jelani saw more than a, you would have maybe just got shook and be like, you know, I'm going to do this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I think so. So you kind of like, the people so. around you was important at that. A hundred percent. I mean, it's good to have people like that around you. Sometimes you don't always realize, or sometimes you kind of 
shut them down or mm. you kind of close off your attention to them because you're not ready to hear it. Mm. Um, and it can be difficult to receive support and receive praise and compliments when you're not ready to then take mm. the next step on. But I think at that time, Jelani probably spoke to me a couple of times before that. And then I remember thinking, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I just went out, you know, I didn't go to people and say, how can I start a business and blah, blah, blah. I just went and did the Stop Trust thing and just did it. Once again, you're in a new environment, you're doing it by yourself. Everyone's from different backgrounds. And I was just like, I'm going to do it. And they often pick these groups. They People apply because they want support. So did you go to like an office where there's other young yeah. people as well? So they basically select Were there many other young area. females as well? Did you see other females there? Yeah, yeah. there were yeah. a handful of others. I think all in all, there may be about 12 of us. And you go, you're meant to go through the process together. So you go there every week. You have people come in and tell you, like for example, the Moon Pig founder mm. came in one week. He tells you what he's learned, what he hasn't, blah, blah, blah. You've got the USP. Different lessons, and also they take you through the stages of coming up with a real complete business plan. And it's not a joke, it's mm. like a, it's must be, I don't know, like a 30 page document or something. And it's quite thorough, and you have to go through rounds where you've, you know, given in your costs and your estimates mm. and blah, 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 because you're up asking for them for a loan at the exactly, end of the day. Yeah, so. so you need to be able to go through the whole process and commit. They also offer you with a mentor that you can meet up with, even after the process for a whole year, you have access to a oh, mentor. Wow. That was something that I struggled with. And how did you find Princess Trust? Um, I, I think it was a good experience. 100%. I mean, I mean, how did you find out about it? I just online just again. Googled just yeah. I've never been one to ask people for much. That's mm. something that I'm learning now in my late twenties. But at this point, I wasn't really asking people. It's like there's a will, there's a way. Mm. I'm just going to find something, and I did. Um, and in that program, there were twelve of us to begin with. It was only myself and one other person that ended up ended up finishing because it is intense mm. starting a business, and it was difficult. Once I did it, had my products. Did you have stages where you like you wanted to drop out, maybe or stop? Like um, the, the, the other ten. Not during the process, but afterwards. Once mm. I launched the business, I found it quite hard, and that's when I realised, pardon me, that I might not have that entrepreneurial spirit. Mm. I had the creativity, I had some great ideas, but seeing it through and wanting to make money and to like have that hunger mm. to, I'm gonna make this work. Mm. I didn't necessarily have, or I didn't. I don't think I have or had at that point. So after a few years, it kind of. Um, it kind of yeah ended and after that i was you know under the end just naturally like out yeah i was selling stuff um selling things here and there i realized i needed more stock i needed to produce, produce more things and but i haven't used it for two years you said two three years. i'm gonna say about three okay. i'm gonna say three but the last year probably didn't and what were you doing much on the side so the, when the i was business. doing blue at that point obviously i you have to think i'm now 23 <laughs> i can't keep up um, I then stopped working in, I was at office for many years, office, that's where I used to work, the shoe shop, <laughs> many different roles there. Then I went to Sainsbury's as a team leader. So at that point, okay, yeah, that definitely is about three, four years ago. So Blue must have been coming to an end around that point of me working there. And once again, I didn't want to work in Sainsbury's and be a team leader or a supervisor, but I was not going to keep working at retail. And at this point, I need more money. Mm. Okay, I don't know what I want to do. I'm now doing something creatively, I have an outlet, Blue is here, I've done the furniture thing, cool. But in terms of getting my money up and progressing, you know, like, okay, I've now moved out of home, but I live with my godparents and their family, so basically you're still not paying any bills, mm. but, hmm, I might want to drive one day, hmm, I might want to move out one day. So I said, okay, cool, I'm just going to keep working my way up in retail. And that's what I did. I worked at Sainsbury's, not because I wanted to, just because need I to thought get your money up. I need yeah. to get my money up and get, you know, a higher position. That's what I did. And then I went into an office environment. I had the opportunity to go for a job that my friend was already working at. And I was an office assistant, became an event assistant. 
And that was the last place I was at while I then was not doing anything else on the side creatively in terms of making cards or furniture making or anything like that before I got the job I have now. The only thing I was doing outside of um, work when I was at the office job was I was on a show called Back Chat. Mm. And that was literally because I saw it online, podcasting, not podcast, but... Paul, let's, before we get to that, because yeah, exactly, I want to discuss that as well. What's the, before we move on from the blue, was it called blue? Blue Woo. Like blue Woo. Yeah. What was one of the main things you learned about yourself running a business for like three years? Do you know what I mean? It was a business you're running, you were selling yeah. a product and people were buying it. So what's one thing you maybe learn about yourself or learn about being in a business that you've reflected on or you would maybe advise to someone else? I would definitely advise you to try it mm. um, if you can with low risk. Because my thing, like I said, I didn't put any of my own money into it. I managed to go through a process which allowed me to get a loan. That meant that there wasn't ever too much pressure on me. Of course, it's something I had to pay back monthly. Mm. But that was something I knew I could commit to. You know, you often see stories about people starting businesses and it not doing well in the first year. And that seems to be quite common. But me selling cars isn't the same as me, I don't know, opening, opening, a, restaurant, yeah. opening a restaurant. So I think you need to put it into perspective and be prepared for what could and couldn't happen mm. but 100 percent, my biggest learning from it is that i wasn't passionate enough about making money and getting my product out there okay. i was passionate about the creative but not about the finances and wanting it to do well and i do think if you want to start something like that and you're putting something out there you need to have a drive to see it through a clear target, clear target. Towards, if not, then you, you don't give have, up on the way kind of thing you give up on the way and if you don't have that i think you should partner with people that can can do that because some people have the brains and some people have the drive yeah. and some people have the creative so you know well, that's what my only recommendation would be so last thing we're talking about is kind of what you learned about owning your own business for those few years um you learn about yourself and kind of the business life yeah. i mean you touched on while you're working at Sainsbury's, you got involved in something called Backchat, which I'm sure some of the viewers will know, um, which was a program. I mean, what would a you, debate show. Yeah, a debate show where they're discussing different kind of topics and controversial, yeah. Yeah, controversial topics. So how did you get into that? Were you approached? Did you apply yourself? How did how Backchat work? Uh, I watched it. I actually watched all of them yeah, yeah. before you even went, went on, on it. it. Yeah, yeah, I watched, yeah. I went so on it. So when, yeah, when I saw you, I was like, geez. My life was on it, like, how good here? I mean, I went on at season three, but I could have been in season two. What happened was, after season one, they obviously put out notices about auditions. And were you watching it as well? Yeah, I was watching it, and I thought, oh, this is great. Like, okay, but is this being represented? There was only, like, one or two people in there that I felt, like, kind of had my views. But I thought, "Mm, maybe I could do it. Mm. I didn't think I want to be famous. I didn't think, oh, my gosh. Obviously, you you can realise shortly after, because you follow these people on Instagram, that they might get a bit of attention. Mm. But I just thought... I could probably hold my own over there. So, myself and my god sister applied together. We sent um, an audition video, I'm pretty sure, together, but she backed out. So when it came to the day, I went to the auditions by myself. They were in Plumpstead or something. It was so cold. <laughs> oh my god, it was so cold. And there were hundreds of people in like this warehouse situation. And when Applying. I say hundreds, I mean hundreds. And they literally sat you down in groups and you had to be like, here you go, this is the question, five minutes, boom. And you had to just chat. And I remember I was in a group, I think it was my second group, my first group, everyone was talking. I didn't say anything. Uh, and that's surprising because if you meet me, I think I'm, I'm yeah. quite a talkative person or I can be anyway. Everyone was chatting, chatting, chatting off. And then right at the end, I just said my little two piece. They said, yeah. And anyway, you come back in like it's X Factor, you know? Mm. That was like it was X Factor. You come back in, okay, you're through, you're not through, blah, blah, you can go in this. 
So I found out, obviously, I got to the next stage. I was in another room. Then I think I did the same thing again. Then they asked us some crazy questions on camera, like, so what's the craziest thing you've ever done? Like, some stupid questions mm. like that. I think I said whatever. And yeah, I got through. Um, so everybody that was on season two, we all made it through together. It was only myself and this, this white guy that was going to be in an Essex version, but they never did it. So we went through together, went to the studio, all the season one cast were there. And then I got pulled to the side and they said, I know we want you to be on the show, but you're really similar to Azraya. Oh. Yeah, she's kind of like, um, she looks kind of, she doesn't look like you. Yeah, she does, yeah, kind of, yeah. Skin tone. I'm like a mix of Asian and black and white, but she kind of has that vibe, similar skin tone. And I think looking at her just on her appearance, she looked the most like alternative Mm. kind of girl. And maybe we had a similar thing, but we're not the same. Anyway, they were like, you're too much like her. So um, we're just kind of like, not going to keep you on season two. So season two came around. I realized, oh, hmm. Everyone's there but me. Mm. I was literally the only one. I remember being in a group chat. It was literally I was the only one that wasn't filming, that mm. wasn't on the TV. And I'm like, you know, what such as I, it's meant to be or be. So I'm working at Sainsbury's or whatever. And then they went to see, they went to shoot season three, and they called me. So I'm like, oh, I was there. I was just right in season three. Yeah. Okay. No, no, she wasn't. She okay. wasn't in season three. So it was me, B Money, who's hilarious, mm. and I think someone else. Again, What's the other guy called? Um... Max. There's so many mad people. He was in season one, like... Lucas. Lucas, that's the one, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Was he in season three? He was, but I wasn't in his episodes, I think. But yeah, they brought me through for that. I did it. Didn't really think much of it, but... It's crazy because um, how how it looks on TV and how it is in the room, I mean, it's just way more intense. Like, you literally are fighting to talk at some points. Then, obviously, you're new. There's people there who've already done a whole season. They already know how this goes. Um, so yeah, if I watched most episodes back, I would say I was true to myself. Some episodes you like you're watching, you're like, oh, but yeah, just a chapter in my life, and um, I did that while I was working. It's cool. I mean, did it open many opportunities because you're now on YouTube on, <laughs> on a platform which is getting over yeah over like fifty thousand views. I think it was like one hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, sometimes was... hundred thousand. I mean, of course it did because it let people know that I was a personality or mm. something to be interested in, and I didn't have that before. Like I had like. I don't know, like a thousand followers or something, mm. and then it went up crazy. Um, I remember when your followers just went up. I remember yeah. we, were talking, we were talking about it in our group chat, like, yeah, it was just flying. And up. it's not crazy to the rest of them, like, the rest of them are like a hundred, all these mad yeah. numbers, and I'm just like in some little 8k. But from having no one on your page to having like 8,000 yeah. and people stopping you in the street and being like, oh, weren't you on back chat? It was a little bit mad, but I try not to think about How it. How did you deal with that? Like, yeah, well, the beginning stages. Yeah, like what do people what do people say to you and how do you react to it? It's just like because yeah, as you're saying you're not you're not someone who's like oh my god I'm famous. You're not there like oh yeah hey yeah. Yeah. You're really like humble with it. You're like okay cool whatever yeah I'm back chat yeah what's up like. It happens now more mm. than it did at the time, which is weird because I think the thing with back back chat is there's so much episodes that people still catch up mm. and there's a big community of people that like yeah just watch it when they want to, which is why I think even though years later I get the attention now more okay. than I did then, but. Yeah, I'm not like the most fucking famous person on there, mm-hmm. but sometimes people are like, is "Don't I know?" Yeah. yeah, this is the one. It's like, "Don't I know you mm. from? Have you done something?" And then you're like, "Oh, I did this." Mm. Oh, yeah, and it's it. like, okay, cool, like it's the office. Um, so it did kind of give me a platform in a way because after that, I met a lot of people in the industry just from doing other podcasts, like Nineties Baby Show, which is amazing. Also, Off the Cuff podcast. You kind of meet people, you know. I met like Milena from the Receipt podcast. You just meet like a few people, and then a few people know you a bit more than mm. they did before, and then you start going to similar events and stuff. Because the London circuit is quite small, mm. or just London in itself, it's quite small. So 
you know, most of the time you're going to go to an event and you're going to see one or two people that you What's know. What's the craziest opportunity you think that's come out of Black Chat or you've been in a scenario where, you, I don't know, you met a certain celebrity through networking or I don't have you got anything mad like that? Or No, I don't mm. think I have any mad thing mm. like that. I would say, obviously, the biggest thing for me is that it gave me the opportunity to be on the listening party. Which we'll get onto as well. Which we'll get onto. Um, but that to me is something that's important just because it's about what I care about now and about everything my brand is about. Yeah, when I was on Backchat, I didn't have a brand. Mm. I was just a girl, in my mind anyway. In my mind, I was just a girl who was talking, like debates, and then maybe as a viewer, um, I don't know, I'm just that girl. Mm. I don't know, the girl that has an opinion about this or she's kind of like that or she talks too fast or she's mm. too loud or whatever the opinion may be. And people follow me for whatever reason. Mm. At that time, you don't know why people are following you because of your looks, is it because of what you say? I remember getting issues because people didn't said I wasn't black enough or some people didn't think I was black or even could count back chat. conversations. Mm. That was weird. After that, you just have followers on your page. You don't know what they're following you for and they don't know everything I'm into. But what they did start to realise and become familiar with, although I was in a debate show, is that I like music. Mm. So what I kind of used to do um, was just like, I'd be like listening to like a banger, like some type of rap song or something and I'd like film myself like singing to it or I'd get on my laptop and just like film mm. the screen and I'd just started chatting people out. And that's, I think, has now been a big part of where I am now. That's what like a list that that conjoins to like a list and listening party. Yeah, you doing that. So after so you're 23 when you done back chat season three. Yeah, yeah. Some, I think something like that. So, yeah. Um, and you're doing an office job at the same I'm time. Doing office job at the same time, and then when back chat's kind of wearing out or calming down, you've done all this other stuff, and maybe now I'm 25, mm. 26. It's like I mean, so yeah, okay, let's get, let's connect to yeah. This so how the listening party come about. How you so, uh, how long was listening? Is listening party been something that's going on for a while? Because I'm, I'm not. I've watched a few episodes solely because I know you. Yeah. But like, I didn't know the history of it. I don't know if it's been going on for a while. And so listening party, our 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 set of people, which is the main one that everybody knows, started last year. Okay. Before that, there were actually a few random episodes. Taser Black, Marvin Abbey. I was in one. I remember it was about you know when Drake dropped the. You guys, I watched it, you guys are all standing. You didn't have pink lot. hair, did you? Yeah, you guys were yeah. standing there. Yeah. 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 And that was time ago. They did a couple random episodes, but it hadn't become like branded yet as like the listening party and the setup wasn't confirmed. And then obviously. It was a Scorpion album, wasn't it? Yeah, Scorpion yeah, album, yeah. Um, so yeah, it wasn't that. I was a bit drunk on that episode. <laughs> anyway, so then after that, I think I did one episode and I can't remember how. I think because at that point I was doing some stuff on ABTV where I basically was sitting in a chair talking to camera for about three minutes about one artist that I liked. Yeah, you know what, I really love TEDNS mm -hmm. because of this, this, this. So I was doing my little bits here and there and that was an opportunity I had from ADTV, shout outs to him, uh, or Amory Don TV, whatever you may know him as. He gave me another platform for mm -hmm. me to be like, okay, cool, I like music. There's no platform out for me right now to speak about it. He's given me one. Mm -hmm. And then I'm doing what I'm doing just on my phone and then I'm getting connected to different events and going to certain places and meeting people so maybe mm. people just now know me as the back chat girl but who likes music I think that's the transition mm. that was happening so I think Rashid just asked me if I wanted to be in a listening party I went to one of those episodes then when it came to February last year I think it was February or March he had rounded up a team of people mm. so he said I'm having Tricky I'm having Lippy I'm having all these people and did you know any of them before as well I didn't know any of them he said this is the car sheet but some of them I followed online like I followed Hema I knew of Tricky and Lippy Margs I knew was a rapper but I didn't really know about Mashtown like that but I knew he was a rapper and he was like 
this is the dream team. This is what I think mm-hmm. this is going to be a thing. So we did we did an episode um, with Dave and an episode with Digger D on their projects. J one. Um, we did. Well, that was recent. Mm-hmm. That was more recent. But yeah, we started off doing a batch of episodes, and I think originally some of the cast members were meant to change. So it's meant to be like let's say there's four of us that are constant. Four of them are variables, but we stuck with it. Mm. Came online. Obviously, he'd had like a proper logo for it. Now it was meant to be like the same time every week or whatever. And yeah, from there, that's it. You know, more eyes on you. We're speaking about artists in the UK and their projects, which um, something often, you love first of all. Like, yeah. Something I love and something that I isn't happening anywhere else mm. at the moment. Like you might catch an odd podcast here and there, but not a group of people who are all different, females and males. Some used to be rappers, people rate them for this. All talking about a project, and we're not speaking about like an up-and-coming rapper um, where opinions can be um, even more divided or biased or whatever. We're speaking about like... Actual developed people, yeah. Like a big artist, and we could have like a super fan in the room, but we don't. And, you know, it's it's hard for people to... um, take in I think it also stirs a lot of debate online because there's a lot of conversation about UK artists you might get a bit of backlash for your opinion on a certain artist and stuff like that yeah so you're putting yourself out there you're putting your opinion on someone yeah and I think there's a there's a thing about the UK being a bit like precious like Mm. we take things a bit to heart like we can't hear criticism whereas in America you'll see somebody bashing somebody they don't care Mm. in here it doesn't really happen that much and people do take it to heart so of course, that's been a conversation while I've been doing the listening party. Um, and big up Rashid for kind of putting it together and his whole team of people that he works with. But it's been an experience. And for me, it just allowed me to speak about something I actually cared about. And of course, in the background, I'm thinking, how can I get out of this office job and mm. now do something musical? Because I'm realising that what I keep coming back to, I've done all these other things in my life. I've, you all come I've back tried to one the, thing all the time. this I keep coming back to now, and I do like music, and I really like this. And then people say, you know, you've got something to say here. And then I'm meeting with an artist, and they're asking me lots of ideas. And what could I do when I'm marketing this? How could I do this? How could I do that? And I'm like, all these ideas I have in my mind, which might not be met like loads, mm. but I've got a few ideas. I feel like I have an idea about. A and Ring, I guess that's mm. what it would be like. Me deciding that like, that's a good song, or me saying, "Guys, this is the one to look mm. out for." Or me creating a playlist. How can I bring this all together? All together? Like, what can I do? And I'm like, I need to get a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to get a job in the industry. Yeah, that's what I need to do. So where are you at now? Where I'm at now. Mm. So I didn't know it was a label. I just was like, listen, anything I can do. And one of my best friends at the time, we've kind of been getting closer because he realised I had an interest in obviously getting into the industry. He kind of saw something in me um, and was willing to kind of help me and was like, you know when someone just, I've done this before with some of my friends when I know they're looking for work, Mm. I don't mind, I'll look for a job for Mm. you because I know you're also going to be looking and I know that you'll go to the interview, you'll get the job because Mm. you are dedicated, you maybe just gone through a bad spell or something that happened. And it's the same and this thing person me. This person was like, I'm sending you this job, I'm sending you that job. And then puts you forward for jobs when, of course, it's a big statement. Mm. For someone to put you forward for a job when there are hundreds of people trying to get the job says something about you. So then you're thinking, okay, cool. If this person's going to verify me and back me up, offer me a reference, you know, you go to the job mm-hmm. interview and you're like, Phew. doesn't even get it. But the yeah. more people start hearing about you, it means you might get considered mm. for those opportunities. But I was applying for every job I could find. Just at, at record labels. At record labels, because there's a few websites online that are kind of dedicated for musical jobs. Mm. 
and I was just like, I'm gonna get one, do you know what I mean? Like, God, if this is what's meant to happen for me, I think this is gonna happen. Because mm. I'm thinking at this point, I'm speaking about music online, but I don't care about it that much. I like, I enjoy it, but mm. I don't do it because I want to be... Um, the voice of the like voice opinions of, of music. Yeah, yeah, or because I want to be mm. a big time presenter. I He's naturally gravitating towards it, it's not by force. Naturally gravitate towards it, also I can kind of articulate myself to a point. Mm. Um, you have a background of music as background well, so you're not speaking music, about music. It's just something I can do, but I'm not like, I don't actually think, yeah, I want to be the next presenter. Mm. Yeah, I want to be the next Maya Jama. I've never But if that, that does eventually happen, then if yeah, it's what it is. I'll take up the opportunity. But at this point, I'm like, I actually want to get a job now because mm. let's be serious. When you start getting older, you start thinking about your career. I'm working in a job where I can't go to the next step because it's not right for me. Mm. I need to go to that next step somewhere else. And at this point, going into the music industry, no experience on paper, just my love for music mm. and my commentary online. I'm going to have to start from the bottom. Mm. I'm going to have to go for an internship or an assistant position, which means at the wage I'm already on, the salary I'm already on, I'm probably going to have to take a pay cut. In my mm. mind, I was thinking I'm going to take a pay cut of maybe 4K, maybe a year annually. And I'm just thinking at this point, I'm going to do it. Mm. I'm going to do it. I don't care if I have to do some internship, which is meant to be for some uni person or whatever, that's like 18 years old. I'm 26. Yeah, I'm 26. I want a job. Mm. So I applied, 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 and um, finally I saw a position that I thought was right for me. And now, I mean, it's not even a year yet. It's about to be a year, or it's October, right? It's just done October. Yes. So it's, it's now an officially a year. I've been. And where are you working at the moment? I'm working at Warner Records. Um, as and a what junior. job did you apply for? Is it the I've, same job you're doing now? Well. It's the same, th technically, mm -hmm. yeah. I applied for urban marketing as intern, mm -hmm. got the job as an urban mm -hmm. marketing assistant, and now within a year, I've been promoted to junior marketing manager. Oh, nice. So we thank God, mm -hmm. um, and I found my way. And how's that been? Because Warner Records, Warner Bros, that's a, that's a big. Yeah. It falls under the same thing, I'm guessing. Yeah, so, so that, Warner, that's, that's Warner Bros is Warner Records, exactly. basically. They changed their name like a year ago or something. Um, so you must have, you, you are learning a lot. You're one, like the epitome of kind of what music, Warner, everyone knows who kind of Warner Records are. So I mean, you're learning a lot. 100%. I mean, I couldn't, I mean, you can only dream of it, mm. really. And it sounds crazy, but it's the truth. Mm. It's the truth. And I think at the time, obviously, it had Urban in the title, which I knew meant black. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I knew it meant black. And um, I thought to myself, probably rap music, mm. yeah, because I didn't know that they had any R&B talent. So just to be honest, you mean the rappers. And of course, if you think about where we are now, a year ago, two years ago, the rap scene mm. in the UK is doing really well. Yeah. You're looking at the charts and you're seeing my man at number two, at number three, at number one. Consistently every so, month. So, yeah. you know, it's like, it's basically pop now. Like, mm. yeah, we have, might have genres for music, but let's be honest, on the same level as what you'd be calling a pop song. Mm. So... Stop boxing us in, we're here to stay, competitive, and the music scene is growing, and people really are doing well off this. Like, you generally have rappers like Stormzy at number one in the charts. You mm. never would have thought of that how many years ago. Well, so, even before me at Glastonbury, like, like yeah. Like, Glastonbury, like, it's When I think of Glastonbury, I just think about white people and Oasis. And, like, and look uh, what's happening. Yeah. Look what's happening with, with black music and how, like, well it's, you know, propelling in the mm. scene. So it's kind of like, um, yeah, I know that that's what mm. you mean say urban um and yeah let's see what the opportunity is and of course i don't know i only know of like one other person that's had an opportunity where it's been carved out for them based on that genre of music mm. so having like a niche or like a speciality or a taste as you call it or a genre lead 
let's say genre lead. So most jobs or most marketing jobs would be just advertisers marketing and you know, working across all different types of music. But this had urban. So in my mind, I'm like, yeah, wow, black music, I'm doing that. Mm. Or rap music, I'm doing that. This is great. It's like made for me. Um, I started the job. It was essentially the black, ros- the black roster, the rappers that we work with at Warner, and some artists from the US side, the same thing. A few random pop people here and there. Oh, so you work with people in the US as well? Yeah, you have to work across the US roster because you have to deliver the music, obviously, over here, set it up in the right way. I work with cool artists on that side. So what does your job kind of entail to summarise it? You don't have to go into the tremendous detail, but like, I essentially, mean, what do you do as a junior, junior marketing, marketing manager? If we just think about, obviously, just the US, the UK artists for now, it's essentially like you as an artist, me bringing your ideas to life in the best way, selling it in the best way, and building a whole campaign around it with a team of people. Mm-hmm. So it's like the marketing person's at the top, but you're working with press, you're working with radio, you're working with the creative team. Everyone's kind of underneath you in a way, but not mm-hmm. in a not because like we're the the better person. We're just kind of like the orchestrator mm-hmm. of it. You know what I mean? So it's just delivering it in the best way possible. And it's been in a journey and experience. I've had great leadership and mentorship from my closest person above me. She's been like amazing in this journey and allowed me to kind of flourish. And and now in this job, have you now seen a bit more of a clearer path? Let's say, have you looked at this job and looked at different roles and be like, you know what, I actually want to do this role eventually. I have. So when I started, of course, there's the point where I'm just learning the job because I don't know anything about marketing. Mm. Don't know anything about marketing. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. I don't know anything about marketing. I've been working in retail for seven mm. years and an office environment for two to three. So now my adaptability is coming in, right? So I'm like, okay, cool, I'm gonna learn the job. Once you've learned the job, it's then thinking, how can I, um, how do I input in these environments? Mm. Now I kind of see how they work. I kind of understand. How can I now bring my ideas out? Add value to it. There's yeah, a point when you're like, I don't know how to navigate this. Mm. I don't know where I add value yet. Like, yeah, I'm here, but I don't just want to be here because I'm the new black girl mm. working in urban. Like, you have to work out how to articulate yourself and how to add value at the right time. Mm. So that's the process. And then you're like, oh, I've got this now. And I've got the support from an amazing person above me mm. who's not trying to, like, squash me, make me feel like some assistant. <laughs> She's actually, like, supporting you, me, like, nurturing yeah. me. And I'm like, yay! Mm. And then you find your voice. And then you realise everything you're doing is for the artist. You take the pressure off yourself and then you're like, you know what, man, I can do this job, you know. And you feel like you're at a good place now? Like, over the last few years, if you had to pinpoint it, you feel like now you're a bit more of a steady yeah. place? I mean, I feel like I'm in the career I need to be or I'm in the industry I need to be. I still have an interest in A&R, which of course is like finding new talent, like discovering things. Although I realise their salesman is actually quite, that's a bit daunting. <laughs> but like marketing in the music industry, for me, where I'm at, is like, yeah, it's really fun. It's mm. really challenging. And I'm not going to limit myself to just working black music or urban music, whatever they want to call it. Because you realise that we are still um, operating in a white space. Mm. It doesn't matter that like you've brought in the new black girl to work black music. You think that's enough? It's not mm-hmm. because someone like me should also be working the Katy Perry's mm-hmm. or the Dua Lipas, you know. So now it's like there are more of us in these spaces, and there are so many great people that you can read about now and find online. And your friends are so and so at YouTube, mm-hmm. or she's this person does this at that company. There's more of people like me in these spaces now, which obviously creates new new like um, lanes for mm-hmm. us to grow. 
but you need more senior people at the top as well to keep bringing yeah. us in and also not limit us. So I started at a place where I thought, yeah, man, I just work black music. And now I'm at a place like I'm working black music because I love those artists. I love the sound. We have something to say, but I'm not going to be diminished here. I'm yeah, I don't want to box myself in. I, I want to do any music. Yeah, and I, mean, I need to learn about those other genres as well. And it's good to have a speciality. Mm-hmm. It's good to have, um, you know, like the key thing that you're good at. So now I've, I've, that's how I see it as well. Mm-hmm. I've now changed my perspective in terms of before I was in the building and now I'm in the building. Yeah. How am I um, going to handle this now? How am I going to do all of this? Um, but yeah, so... Um, I mean... Not, yeah, not boxing yourself in and kind of who you want to work with and you know, being given the urban title. And, exactly. And Rose. But yeah, you're saying it's been, it's been a year. It's, yeah, it's been a year now so working now there. it's been a year working there. And yeah, I'm just thankful and blessed. And I'm there's still a big part of me, which is that younger Malaika, which is kind of like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But what I'm doing right now, I'm gonna do it well. You've kept moving though. At least you haven't stopped, and just I don't know. I think what's got you here is is is, is your entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, you might I would like to work at something else, but like your resilience. <laughs> you've been you've kept mm-hmm. pushing, and you've finally found your feet now after a few years. It could have been a door thing, but like yeah, you're at a good place now, and that's the most important thing for most people to be at a good place where they're happy. You're doing something which you enjoy, mm. which you're passionate about, which makes sense, which just seems written. You were always bound to fall back into music somehow, let's face it. I mean, it's not like I knew you when you were four, but with your parents being into music, you playing the flute when you were seven or, or four, you were saying. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it was inevitable for you to be into music. So it, it must be a bit of a relief that you're, you're, you're finally into that position now. I and mean, you kind of flourish and work with what you've got now. Yeah, in a way, it's kind of a relief because I'm like, oh, okay, like maybe I should have been doing this all along, but I'm glad that I did find it kind of on my own. Um, obviously, I've had support from people yeah, around. Of course, yeah, it's not like I'm self-made. I've done it on my own. Like. But I just mean I didn't at any point feel like I was forced into anything. Mm. I don't feel like I was forced to go to uni or forced to make this decision. And, you know, at these different stages and with earning different amounts of money mm. all those times, I've never really had to rely on anyone. I've never mm. had to borrow a lump sum from any sum anyone I've always been able to pay my rent and I've managed to get through um so I'm really grateful for that and I'm really thankful for where I am now and I'm enjoying what I'm doing um there are many highs and lows of this music industry final thing to touch on to which we haven't yet is like a list which <laughs> is what I always see promoted on your stories and yeah. um I've seen other rappers talk about it as well or people you shout out so how did that idea come about I, as you, I kind of know where it came about because you said before you would post videos on Snapchat people you like to listen to and how, exactly did, how did it just how did you decide to like market it I mean that was exactly mm. it it was kind of like me shouting people out and I think I'm not I mean this might be wild to say but I kind of do think it you know a female tagging you in something I mean like I know people who could I mean like wait let me start again <laughs> I think as a female, when you're shouting at a rapper, obviously it can be seen as, as a bit of like a fangirl yeah. thing. Like, oh, you're just a fangirl type of thing. But um, I'm doing it at any level. It doesn't mm. matter that you're... Know, you 10 followers or 10,000 followers. Literally, I'm doing it because your music banks. Literally. And I think that's something that after a while, when people see you doing that a lot, they realise that it's genuine. Mm. It's not like I'm just shouting out D-Block Europe once a month. I mean, there's artists that I generally come across and I like their music mm. and I just tag them. It's not really a thing. For me... But people appreciate that mm. because, of course, on social media, you literally do see things. Oh, I saw that there. Oh, I saw mm. that here. And so-and-so said this. So it's a word-of-mouth platform in a way. So And you've gone into it with good spirits, as you are saying, because you've been, 
you've been authentic, you've been yourself, you're not just shouting out, as you said, like a fan girl, so you're shouting out Skepta and <laughs> yeah, the yeah. same famous people every week, then yeah. it's a bit like, okay, this person's just begging it, but you'll, no. you'll, you'll shout out people with 10 followers, 100%. so that's called Skepta Authentic. So what kind of happened, I think, was I was like, oh, I thought about getting onto radio, that's what I thought about, doing some type of presenting or having a show, and that's still something I'm interested in, if I'm honest, um, I'm not desperate for, which is maybe why it hasn't happened, because I haven't like kept banging down the doors, but... It's something I'm interested in, something I was thinking about. I actually had the chance to be on Rinse FM with Chris Capo and interview a few artists. Um, and Which it's, did you do? Yeah, okay. I did, yeah. And it's something I like. Like, I just want to get to know artists and how they got into this journey or how they came up with this song and where they got that sample from. And I might not be completely well-versed in every area and every genre, but I have a thing for rap, even mm. though I don't know every single rapper in, in life. Um, but yeah, I have a thing for it, and I just feel like there's a lot of good talent out there that should be recognised. So I decided to do a playlist because I thought, okay, if I do a playlist, I can obviously put in music like, you know, there's new music every Thursday mm. or Friday, let's say. Of course there's always new music, but Thursday and Friday is when playlists normally update mm. on Spotify or Apple, and people drop a lot of music then, especially in the the rap scene and on a Sunday. So I was like, okay, cool. So that means I could probably do a playlist on the weekend and upload it every week mm. and then come up with like a cover and make someone the star. And there are many other people that have playlists as well. There's a lot of good platforms out there whether they have a hundred followers or a thousand. So I just thought, well, I could do mine too. Um, of course, I tried to make it not the same as what you would just like find on Spotify. like the main flagship playlist that they have. Mm. Mine has a little bit of alternative music in there sometimes. It's rap-ish. It's mainly rap, but it's rap-ish. So you might find like a Nux next mm. to an OSB, whereas you might not get that in a in one of the main Spotify playlists, for example. I'm not trying to draw them out, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, so yeah, then I decided to give it a name. Do you remember your first playlist which you done? Or like your first like list? Yeah, the first That's what it's called, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, like a list. And the first one I ever did, Nux was the cover. Mm. I can't remember what song it was, but it definitely was Nux, and that was last year, maybe February. So been there for a year as well, or more, or more than something. a year. Yeah. yeah, more than a year now. Um, over a year? Yeah, over, over a year, over a year. Maybe like a year and a half. Um, the name, I mean, there's only one person I know that calls me Laika, but my partner at the time... Oh, people call you Laika? Oh, okay. I thought Laika, you know the phone, like, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. That's uh, what I thought. Yeah, it's also a play on that. So there's only one person I know from Azatino who used to call me Laika, but that's thinking of my name and the way it's spelled, okay. A-I-K-A. -A. But obviously, Laika, the SIM card, mm -hmm. Laika's associated with the track. Rap with and the yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why so I mean. it just made sense. And then Laika List just had a ring to it. But I didn't come up with the name. Um, my partner at the time did come up with the name. Mm -hmm. Uh, he doesn't want any money for it, thank God. <laughs> and um, yeah, it just seemed like a cool thing and I just ran with it and I decided to do it every week. And you've and been consistent with it since. Honest to God, every Friday for a year, I'm going to say it was, I did it every week until this year because I was, was part of my job and okay, you your own campaign releases that okay. haven't been super consistent this year, not to be being honest. But generally now it's like every week or every other mm. week I upload it. And I make sure I put in artists that people might not know mm. or might not know on a wild scale. People email me music. So email me music, email me their stuff. Sometimes they're emailing me like a whole EP or like a big track album. But yeah, they send me music. Sometimes people ask me for their opinion. On their music. Yeah, which means I'm literally emailing them back like, well, thanks for this, blah, blah, blah. I like this part. I didn't like this part, mm. blah, blah, blah. So that's the kind of part of me that still feels like I'm interested in A&R because if people are asking me for their opinion on music, 
yeah, in my real life, I might market music, mm. but you're coming to me as a fan because you see me on the listening party speaking about it music. as a fan. So not everybody knows that I work where I work. Mm. Um, maybe if you follow me on Twitter, you might pick up on a few clues here and there, but it's not something I've openly said out loud, but it's something you might realise um, in time. So I think obviously, yeah, there's a part where people reach out because they're like, oh my gosh, you speak about music on the listening mm. party and it starts conversation online. And I think people are ready. You've made like a little platform for yourself with the likeness. It's like a, yeah, it's a platform where you're able to reach out or well, have other people reach out to you yeah. in the music industry again. Yeah. And like, you're like, not the voice, but you're giving them your opinion. They want to hear your opinion because you are credible. You're not someone that's just got an opinion for music. You've been doing your music your whole life. Well, I appreciate that. So um, that's you. why they probably reach out. So you've actually made, you've marketed yourself. And managers yeah. reach out as well. So you'd be surprised how many people I'm at an event. Oh yeah, I'm But you have to stay years. consistent with it for it to be able to open these opportunities. You've done it for one week, but you've done it for a good year. And that consistency has actually opened up. I'm pretty sure it's opened opportunities well, and conversations. It's definitely think. relationships as well. Yeah. That's the main thing because there's people I can go back in my DMs and see where I was like, listen, that song is really good. Keep mm. it up, bro. Or like, I really like this and I really like that. And then they're like, yeah, man, you're in my, you're in my corner. Yeah. Um, and you know, a community is literally based on having someone like me and then someone else like you liking the mm. music, being part of someone's fan base. So it's good to see artists at any level, obviously appreciate the love. And it's also really great for me to connect with people that may like, you know, may have felt like no one's checked out their music or mm. no one's seen anything. And I don't like give myself a pat on the back, but of course, like, I don't know, people send me music and I'm like, yeah, I really like that, put mm. my playlist, they got 100 followers. So. And you don't like it, you straight up just tell them, yeah. Yeah, I don't it's like just, it, I'll I don't just like tell it. them or I'll just be like, thank you so much, keep pushing. Mm. Like, that's it, I just kind of keep it brief. But it's cool to know that, how can I say, even with some me, like being on the listening party, for example, and platforms like that, sometimes it makes it seem like it's only the people that are being spoken about that people care about. Mm. And you kind of wonder about the underdogs or the people that are still up and coming. Mm. And of course, like, you know, you can do live events and you can do shows, but a lot of the attention is on social media. People want a post from an influencer. Mm. They want a shout out from Link Up TV. They want a shout out from I'm Just Date because you get one of those and it can really help. Mm. So. I understand an artist's frustrations in just trying to be visible. So someone like me or someone like Mimi the Music Blogger or Alex Baz, people like that that actually just take in good music and they will shout you out and mm. won't feel a way about it. Praise from us or a compliment from us can go a long mm. way. And I mean that in the most like humble type of sense. Yeah. It's just nice here. People that like good music tell you your shit's good. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You might only need two people to tell you that your shit's good and you just feel calm because... Otherwise, what is pushed in your eyes and what's pushed in your face and you get ads on mm. is people that are signed, people that are a label, you know, people that have support from a big community and for an artist to get there, it can take a lot of, yeah. a lot of things and many, many steps. Um, so I think people that are at an organic type of grassroots level, it, it does, I don't care how big the platform is, generally people that are consistent, like you said, and shout out other people that aren't getting the love that they deserve or um yeah those people should be recognized mm. basically and where can people so is, is like a list available for the people out there yeah I mean, most people should know about it by now just <laughs> shout it out um, like a list is only on spotify i could make it on apple but i haven't made that move yet so it's on spotify so someone just types in like a list l-y-c-a list l-y-c-a list if not obviously you can find me on socials 
and you can find it there and like if not you can email me music there's a link in my bio to submit me music so do you have an email address as well which i can put yeah up here or something as well everything up perfect um one thing to wrap it up with which i wrap it up with most people and i think i'm not going to ask you it because i can tell you're not going to have an answer for it and it's essentially where do you see yourself in five years time or where do you see yourself as your brand or your career in five years time and the reason i i'm asking it you can answer if you want to but because you said you've never really not planned ahead you've just kind of gone with the flow you're just actioning your life praying doing your thing and what happens happens but do you have any kind of mini aspirations or where you might see yourself or where you want to see like a list it can be anything or if not then that's your answer you're just going to be like you know what i'm just going to keep securing the bag and what i'm doing and whatever doors god opens god yeah opens. i feel like that it's could the, be your I answer feel like it's the latter yeah, exactly. securing the bag whatever doors open open and i just think at this point because of the job title i do have and what i'm doing right now I just want to feel like I've done justice by all the artists mm. I work with and I'm just really supporting them in what they want to do mm. because that's every single part, everything I do, even like a list, even listen party, it's because you want to shed light on those that need that recognition and mm. um, with my job, it's just a great thing to be part of their campaign mm. or their journey. So I'm thankful for those opportunities. I hope I can continue to um, do good things with good people. And other than that, I and before you, have a uh, dream. Two bits of advice you'll give to someone young mm. and, and, a, and a young female as well. Like in, yeah, in the music industry, someone that's trying to get into the music industry in no matter what kind of role it could be. It can be like trying to be a music artist or it can be trying to get into working for a record label. What kind right. of advice would you give some, to someone younger than you and maybe specifically a female? Because there are not, I mean, personally for me, I don't see many young females killing it. And you might be like, camera humble humble but you're doing well for yourself you know what i mean you're in the scene you're doing something right so i would label that as killing it might be our slang but um yes what kind of advice would you give to someone young or specifically a female so to someone younger coming up um i would give them the advice of never being afraid to put yourself in uncomfortable situations or in new environments because I did that many a time just by going to a certain event, shaking someone's hand, not even really knowing what to say, but trying to be um, at the right places to then get the right yeah. opportunities, if that makes sense. Because you're not in those right places, those opportunities are never oh, going to happen. Less, yeah. I remember going to like talks where people would speak, like panel events where people would speak about what they do in the industry and how they got into there. I was in a few of those and I really learned a lot and you yeah. soak up a lot and you're in a room with people that all kind of want all it takes is one conversation 100 yeah. percent um and everybody wants an opportunity but it's not going to be handed to you and in this industry it's definitely about who you know and I know that might sound a bit kind of like oh yeah I've heard that before but generally it is um that. it's relationship based and a lot of things in life are relationship based and it can be quite daunting to make those relationships but I would say from my experience, some of my relationships have literally been built on a DM mm. and just been built on a Twitter interaction. So be aware that every interaction you make and everything you say can make an impression on mm. someone. Even your tweets can make an impression on someone. So um, be conscious when you're speaking to people. Always be polite to people because you never know who you might meet. Mm. And if they remember you three years, four years from now when that job opportunity is ready and waiting. So... 
yeah be um conscious when you're speaking to people Polite. be purposeful when you can when you are aware of what you're doing and be open to new opportunities mm-hmm. for a female in particular i would only say this based on interactions i've had is be very careful in new situations um or when there is an opportunity to meet with uh, a guy in the industry, a man in the industry, if you're a straight, if you're a straight female when you're meeting a straight mm-hmm. guy, um, and what situations you're putting yourself into, because you may find that, um, and this isn't to paint everybody with a brush, you know, there's a lot of good guys out there, yeah. it's a shame for the ones that ruin it. You might meet a guy that could be too forward, mm. could ask you somewhere, you know, could ask you to meet him somewhere at a certain time, which seems a bit inappropriate, but you're thinking, I really want the mm. opportunity, um, could let you down, um, could gaslight you. Mm. So I would say, um, be careful in those situations where you could meet someone or it's the first interaction you may have with them and I would keep it limited and I would keep it brief and I'd always get clarity on what that meeting could be about mm. before you get there. Don't just or jump what, at it straight away, be a bit vigilant. Or why I'm giving you my number before this happens. Mm. Try and be clear as you possibly can because without clarity, the lines can get blurred. Mm. If the lines get blurred after that and you've done nothing wrong, there's nothing you can do. But I think it's important that you kind of keep your guard up. And it's a shame because you don't ever want to be seen hostile as a female, especially not as a black female. You don't ever want to be seen hostile. But there are precautions that we need to take because unfortunately, some people um, are just not like-minded and Mm. they've got bad intentions. There are are people, there are bad people out there. So keep your wits about you. Literally, when your mum tells you to keep your wits about Mm. you, it's, it's not a joke. So unfortunately that's a reality i'm sure in lots of industries but i would say in the music in the in music industry especially when um there can be it just yeah. it, it just can be a thing um, I that. perfect no yeah. well, it was great 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 little ending there. <laughs> great advice for young people getting into the music industry and specifically females as well well Thank you again for coming down. Oh, thanks for uh, having me. I do appreciate it. It's been good. I've learned a lot about you. I, I know you. but Very learned, frank. Yeah, I mean, you'll probably reflect on it as well. A lot of people do come on this. They go home and they're like, oh, I've actually like... Because they talk about their life and it actually makes them realise that they've come a long way as well. That's the kind of message I've got from people. They're like, oh, I actually didn't realise. I mean, like, it feels like therapy right yeah, now. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, man, I mean, all the best with your career. You're clearly in a good place and hopefully life list keeps on growing. And Thank you. Everyone knows, it's, it's almost on a thousand likes now, isn't it, on Spotify? Who knows? <laughs> you definitely do know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, know. all, the, all the best you. with that. And then, yeah, man, thank you for coming.